The regular season is in the books, and the 11-6 and six Cleveland Browns are on their way to the playoffs after a game that did nothing for them today, for them or against them, or really for any reason other than they had to complete the schedule. The Cleveland Browns fall their sixth loss of the season to the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. We can all look past this one, and we can look towards the postseason. Welcome into Game Day Rewind. Game Day Rewind brought to you proudly by Core, Core Home Fitness. Core Home Fitness's goal for you is to help you smash your fitness goals. They've got awesome stuff. Check them out, corehomefitness.com. Uh, really state-of-the-art state revolutionary workout stuff so that you can equip your home to get yourself in better shape than I'm in is basically what Core Home Fitness is there to help you do. Uh, so check out corehomefitness.com as they sponsor the Game Day Rewind here. I am Michael Keefe. Joining me on the screen, part of the OBR crew here, Brad Ward, Pete Smith, Fred Greetham. Welcome in to Game Day Rewind, fellas. How are we, how we feeling after today? How are we feeling? In the playoffs? Yeah. We're, feel. feel. We're feeling postseason-y. I think that uh, you can definitely state that the Texans were the best of the teams that the Browns had a chance to play after today, and that's who they're playing. So Yeah. There are a whole lot of cowards out there who are terrified of the Houston Texans. I don't get it. Yeah. We will get into that. We'll get into matchups. We'll get into the we'll get into the the postseason. But what's nice, Fred, after covering this team for as long as you've done it, it's pretty nice to do the final game day rewind of the regular season and not have it be the first game day rewind of the off season. Instead, we got more of these to do this year. This is pretty fun, right, Fred? It is, and it's, I haven't been able to to join much of this because it seems like you know there's so much to write about today. I didn't write much about it because I didn't really get too involved in this. It was more like you know who are you going to play? Watching the other teams, changing my schedule. <laughs> I had everything booked to Jacksonville, so of course. <laughs> it's going to be Houston, right? So I flip-flopped everything, was able to get it all worked out, and we should be there, you know. We just got to find out the time and the place, and we'll be there. But, yeah, it was, you know, when they've only been the playoff t twice since the return, and both those times they had to win to get in, so it wasn't like, you know, take the day off. It was kind of painful to watch today because you're like, man, you're just letting the Bengals do this to you. But, you know, you kind of had the preseason mentality of, you know, even when your reserves were getting hurt, you're saying, well, it's not Miles Garrett. It's not Joe Flacco. It's not Amari Cooper. So I think I felt all along it was the best strategy. And, of course, I picked them 11-6 and six this year. I knew in the last week they were going to rest their starters you didn't take that into consideration when you picked them to be 12 and five. So you're right. You're right. Me and, J me and, me and Jake, 11 and six, but Hey, I never saw 11 and six with this roster, to be honest with you. I like Amatora in the comments here says Fred got the script. Fred got the script. You had the script for this season, Fred, and you nailed it. You and Jake. Yeah. So boys, let's start with, let's start with this game that we all sat down and watched today. And I guess the question that I want to go around to each of you and ask is this, because really, I think the main talking point, I think we can get into some interesting things that maybe happened in the game, 
But I think the main talking point about this game is the Cleveland Browns decided to rest their starters and really rest a majority of the roster, which means they had no chance going up against a Cincinnati Bengals team that was playing Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon and the majority of their starters. Where do we all sit on the resting the starters? Does it concern you for next week? Or are you sitting here looking at what happened to some other teams like Detroit who lost their potential rookie of the year candidate in Sam Laporta to an injury in that game saying, yeah, this was the right move. Uh, Pete, why don't you start off? I think there's an argument to be made, the whole rest versus rust thing, but not with this team, not with this version of the Browns. For one, a lot of this team was in the 20 in the 2020 postseason run, and they've added a bunch of veterans who have been to the postseason. Not only that, They've had to endure every possible hardship this year. If the biggest hurdle they have to overcome is being rested an extra week, I think they're in great shape. That's like the dream scenario. It's not losing, you know, player X for the season that's at a critical position. It's, well, they they got more rest than they're accustomed to. Like that's (laughs) the best possible situation you could have. And, you know, the the small benefit you got out of this game to me was I think – in, in some situations, you can look at, especially on the defensive side of the ball, um, you can look and you can say, well, maybe Ronnie Hickman is the 11th best guy on a great defense, and he's playing well as a result of being that guy, or Alex Wright. And I think in a lot of the cases for those guys, like I thought Alex Wright played well next to guys who are not carrying him. He, Miles Garrett's not out there. Dalvin Tomlinson's not out there. He's got to get his own – He's got to he's got to fend for himself, and he did a good job. I thought Ronnie Hickman did a good job. Like that's encouraging for if you're looking forward for this team, you're saying, what really is Alex Wright? And I'm not ready to put him in the starting lineup or anything, but I was very encouraged by what I saw in this game from a guy who had no benefit. Like it was the Bengals' front line guys; they were playing to win, and Alex Wright still had a, a really nice day. Brad Ward, I'm going to send it to you. Same thing. How you feel about rest? Um, you know, I was, uh, up in the air about this, uh, a little bit when I talked with Pete midweek, we did a show and we talked about it and, uh, I tend to lean to the, uh, after watching this game today, I'm certainly glad they rested. Uh, and, uh, after watching what happened around the NFL today, it was definitely the right decision. Uh, Jeff Driscoll made this game uh, unwatchable for the most part. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think that he makes some good points about the players that did were forced to play because they've been pressed into duty uh, this year and have done well, did well still, no matter who the surrounding cast was, which I think bodes, bodes well for them future-wise. Uh, there's really not a lot to take away from this game. Um as you know, wholehearted, you know, you can dig into it here and there, but uh, I really thought that, yeah, Bell got that interception. Um, that was nice. I, I, what a mess of a game. Uh, it was a good, know, it was a good day. If you, uh, if you like the Browns, it was a good day to have the last name Bell. Yeah. It was okay, a good day yeah. for Bells. It was a good overall day for Bells. Yep. Yeah, so I don't take a whole lot away from the actual uh, what happened on the field a ton today other than, hey, this guy looked pretty good or that guy looked pretty good. You know, Isaiah McGuire got his first sack, stuff like that. Um, 
So, sure. But I am glad they rested, 100%. I was on the fence. I'm glad they rested. It uh, makes total sense. Well, you're dealing with, um, you know, as far as you're you're building depth, and, and that's good. I mean, as far as the rust thing, you know, people saying, well, Joe Flacco's only played five games. Well, think about rust. The guy didn't do a thing for 10, 11 months. And I would rather have him healthy, even if he gets hurt, you know, in that game, than get hurt today and you don't even have him. You have P.J. Walker or Jeff Driscoll as your options. So somebody said if we don't have a backup here with the Browns, well, yeah, that's that's true either case. If Flacco goes down, I think you're done pretty much anyway. When, when Watson went down, I felt – the, the Browns could still make the playoffs, but it would be heavy defense and either P.J. Walker or DTR would just manage the game. Just don't screw it up, okay? That was your only hope. They continued to screw up for the most part. Flacco's made mistakes, but he's given them a legitimate chance to win. They're averaging over 30 points a game with him at quarterback the last four games. So, you know, now the offense has a chance to score some points and outscore the opponent because I think the defense will continue to pick up where they left off. You can't count today. And they'll keep them in the games. And And I think Flacco and the offense have a chance to put up enough points to win. You know, boys, I think one thing that didn't get talked, or at least that I didn't see getting talked about enough in this rest versus rust situation Remember the Browns had a week five bye week, like yeah. a way, way early bye week. Uh, and it's something we've complained about throughout the course of the year. It sucks having an early bye week and then having to push through the rest of the season. So to give some of these guys another week because they, they didn't get that like mid season rest. It was week five to give these guys another week where you can just get a little rest. Joe Flacco didn't have a bye week. Joe Flacco had to come in, practice, play. He hasn't really had much rest. Uh, for the course of the throughout the course of this year that he started, uh, so so to get these guys a little rest after an early bye week, I, th I think it's way more beneficial than anything else. And I, I don't see any reason, I don't see any reason to think. I think a lot of times when people think about bye weeks, they're thinking about a one seed that may be overlooking the opponent and they come out and look sluggish. I don't think there's any reason the Cleveland Browns are going to come out and overlook anybody. Uh, because they had a bye week and they're going to come out rusty. I just, I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine that happening. So uh, the other thing that I was going to throw it around, and Brad, I completely agree with you. I don't, I don't know how much we need to, I don't, I saw people breaking down the way Kevin Stefanski was using Jeff Driscoll. And I was like, oh, I think we're way too deep into the weeds on this one. I think we're way too deep into this. So, but I will send it around. What was something you take away? Pete, start with you. What's something you take away from this game? The 31-14 loss to Cincinnati. What's one thing that happened in this game that you feel like you can it's actually meaningful that you can take away from this game? Well, given that we don't know what's going to happen with Cedric Tillman being in concussion protocol, I do think the David Bell stuff matters. Um, look, the coaching staff loves him. He's not athletic, you know, relative to most guys. He's got decent size. He does. But they love him because he just does his job consistently. He does whatever they ask. He's in pass protection. He'll run block, whatever. But if if for whatever reason Tillman's unavailable for this game, he his role will probably increase a little bit, and he's going to have to do some more, make some more plays. So another game where he makes a big fourth down reception. That seems to be his his thing now. Is just I make plays on fourth down, gets a couple touchdowns. I think in a lot of ways it was just sort of 
rewarding him uh, for his service this year. But now all of a sudden he may matter more than we think they will. Obviously the, you know, it's Mari Cooper, it's David Njoku and it's Elijah Moore are your, are your top guys, but you're going to need a play at some point, whether it's the first game of the playoffs or hopefully later. And David Bell has continued to show that he can be a guy who gets open is does what he's supposed to do and, and makes it happen. What about you, Fred? What'd you, what'd you learn from this game? Well, two positives are that first off that Ogo Karankwo played, tested it out. He had a harness on and he came out unscathed, had some comments after the game. He felt good, got the rust knocked off. If he can just rush the passer, you know, and force the quarterback to get, I mean, he was a, he was a threat. I, I know that he might not be able to hang on if he makes a tackle because I think the pack is torn and he needs surgery, but he's just saying, I got to have surgery either way if I can go on a playoff run. So I think that's big because his speed unmatched around the corner. And then you have um, Elijah Moore that he was cleared now from the protocol and was able to just get out there and get whatever. That's got to be a little scary when you get knocked out or what happened to him to just get on the field, even if they didn't throw him the ball or he didn't do much. So those are two positives that he's out of the protocol. And I think both those guys will be ready to go. But as far as takeaways, Driscoll showed me a little bit that he can run. He might have a closer skill set to what they were looking for with Dobbs and DTR than Walker. I didn't see him very mobile when he was playing, but I mean, like I said, I don't think either are great options, but Driscoll did later in the game, did throw the ball a little bit. He threw the ball deep, so maybe he gives them a little more option. I will be interested to see if Stefanski names him the backup or P.J. Walker, just just to see what they think. But, you know, not much. I mean, not really a whole lot to build on. Like, like you said there, David Bell made a couple plays that we hadn't really seen. And so, um, yeah, I think the big thing, you had three injuries listed, Shelby Harris. I was concerned because he was one of the better players playing today. He left with a shin, but told some reporters he was good to go. Um, Pierre Strong left with an injury in his back. And Kareem Hunt said that he was joking around. He was looking okay. The other one was Tillman. He's in the concussion, so you just don't know how how severe. But looks like the plan worked. Now the question is, is Dustin Hopkins going to be okay to play? Is some of the guys, is Grant Delpit anywhere near, is he able to have a chance to play? Everybody else I think should be. You know, coming back, Cooper said he was good to go last week when we talked to him. So um, I just think – you're going to be as healthy as you've been in a long time. So, hey, start it all over and see how far you can go. Do we do we see a little something, Brad? Uh, do we see a little something from David Bell that shows you maybe his skill set can be expanded a little bit? Uh, because I'm telling you, I, I watched specifically that second touchdown catch where he kind of adjusted his body and went over up over a defender and came down with the ball. Again, he's not the fastest guy, like Pete said. He's not the most athletic guy by any stretch. But I, I, I seem to remember when he's coming out of college, 
that was one of the things about him was really knew how to use his body to shield defenders. He does that really well in just kind of zone beater. Uh, those little short routes where he always seems to be the guy that picks up a first down when you need it. But is he a guy that can maybe make some more plays in a little bit more of a significant way down the field? Did you like, for me, that's, I kind of leave this game thinking maybe they could get a little bit more out of David Bell. Maybe, maybe they can expand his role a little bit. Maybe, maybe, you know, listen, uh, I, when he came out of college, I said the same thing. Like he's not fast. He's not, gonna get a ton of separation but he does have some nuance to his game that you can't really teach right uh his he has some good body control and some he understands football acumen wise like how to sit down in zones and get to get himself open so yeah i mean i think he provides some value there more than anything like um they've been using those receivers in different ways blocking helping protect so you're going to need him to be able to do that especially if tillman's gone uh in this in the postseason this year long term yeah sure he can find a role on this team i don't think he's ever going to be anything more than like a three uh on a team right but uh you know that's that's where we are i thought that uh, my other takeaway was you know i you know how much i love talking kickers uh corey <laughs> Corey Bjorquez, uh, he looked healthy, right? So that's a step in the right direction. Now we just need D-Hop back. Look at us grasping at straws on the show, guys. Look at us grasping yeah. at straws. Punter. Right, you're, Punter you're, you're grasp. There was a lot of buzz for Leroy Watson at left tackle. Yeah, he hey, jumped on go. the pile a few times, I saw him, <laughs> after it was over. You know, the one thing about, you know, that, that lost my train of thought where I was going. Carry on. <laughs> and we'll go and we'll go listen it's easy i think we all uh we all lost our train of thought many many times during this game yes. i love this comment again i'm going to bring him up again charlie hugo <clears throat> long snaps looking sharp looking sharp yeah. out there uh, so, yeah, listen again to break it all down because i do i think it's more fun to talk about uh talk a little bit about the season as a whole before we talk about what's coming for the cleveland browns uh, but you know it's game day rewind and we got to talk about a 31 14 loss to cincinnati in a game that uh, did nothing for either side other than add a loss to the Browns column and add a win to the Bengals column. Uh, I will say this. If you're looking at the uh, just the landscape around the NFL, every single team in the AFC North above 500 this season, three of whom are in the playoffs in the Ravens, the number one seed, the Browns, the number five seed. And then we'll see. I think this I don't know if the Steelers are locked into seven, but the Steelers did make the playoffs today. So. Yep. Uh, uh, just an absolutely brutal schedule. And that, that brings me into this as far as the season is concerned. And I want to just make it more like kind of like word association, but you can give me an explanation on it. It doesn't have to just be one word, but Fred, when you think of this season, now that we can look back at 16 or 17 games over 18 weeks, when you look at this season, what's the word that jumps into your mind and, and, and how do you describe in your head the way this season went for the Browns? Well, first of all, chemistry, but overcoming, you know, that, you know, they just, I have to think a lot of fans felt like when Nick Chubb went down in like the fifth quarter of the season, or maybe the beginning of the sixth quarter, it had to feel like, oh, this team still got a good defense and they still got a quarter and all the, but realistically, all your plans are shot. And then as they started piling up, by then Conklin had been declared out for the season. Then we know Watson. We know everything they did. They just kind of kept overcoming things. 
And I think it does go back to the Greenbrier where they really do believe in one another. And even though we know it makes a difference, the depth really, I'm not talking about today's depth when you're playing, you know, the very bottom of the roster. Because think about this. They had 11 players made the Pro Bowl or first alternate um, that didn't, well, 10 because Bahorquist did play, I guess. So 10 did not play. You take 10 Pro Bowlers out of your lineup, I don't think any team's going to be any good. So with that said, yeah, I just think that they believe – it's been a resurgence with Joe Flacco. They really believe they can they can win, and he's shown it. You kind of hope that the bubble doesn't burst anytime soon, but I really think they can pick up where they left off last week against the Jets offensively. And as Pete said, you know, you're going against a rookie quarterback. Statistically, rookies just don't step up big time. I realize – that C.J. Stroud didn't play the first time, and that is a difference over Case Keenum, but I don't know if it's a, okay, that game finished 36-22, but I think it was 36-7. to Do you think yeah. Stroud would have put up 36 points on the Browns? I don't think so. So I think that they're going to be healthier, but the Browns will be healthier too, and I think that they go down there and throw a lot at. I have a lot of faith that Jim Schwartz is going to dial up some stuff that maybe Mr. Stroud hasn't seen before. Brad Ward, same thing right uh, to you. Ward I will say identity. Um, yeah, so I think that this team, for the first time in a long time, they knew who they had to be in the face of all these injuries, and uh, they didn't blink when – they lost key key parts and pieces of the team. They remained the same team uh, identity-wise as far as a defense. And then on offense, you know, they've changed who they are a little bit throughout the year. But still the same mantra uh, has kind of leaked over under the offensive side of the a ball. And you would certainly say that uh, the story with Joe Flacco has changed their ceiling, I think in this situation, but, uh, I will say identity, um, in that, uh, they, they never strayed from exactly who they were going to be from, from week one, no matter who they lost. And I think that should be commended. We got identity, Pete Smith. Yeah. Just endurance. I mean, we've, I've mentioned this any number of times, the Browns have played harder, longer, believe more, uh, outworked, out hustled, out efforted, outsmarted teams, you know, outlasted their fans in, in about a handful of games where the fans were like, there's no way this team's going to win. And the Browns were like, okay, we'll win anyway. And they did it. I mean, whether it was the Ravens game where people were, I mean, how many games have we watched where Kevin Stefanski was fired by halftime and then they come back and won? Um, that has been who they are. And it's a credit to all the stuff that, uh, Fred and Brad are talking about the fact that, you know, they, 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 they it, it's very cliche. They, they use any number of cliches that aren't cliches just because the Browns do embody that, whether it's the next man up, whether it's the one no mentality, they play like every game is going to be their last, except this one where they clearly play where they knew they had another game coming. But overall, they played, I mean, how many games did they play with a sort of playoff mentality? Um, you know, and there were a lot of teams where, 
you know, the Bears, the game I cite where I looked at that game and I thought the Bears were the Browns of the not too distant past where they just were not ready for the moment. They did not have the experience. They were not smart enough in that moment. And the Browns have become that team. They, you know, they've stolen the Steelers identity in a lot of ways of just get me to the fourth quarter, keep it close and we'll, we'll make it happen one way or the other. And that's, you know, now they sit here with the, with, with this 11 and six record in a division that, Everybody who had a winning record, which is the first time since 1935 um, that that's happened. And that's obviously in, in part because of the benefit of having the extra week. But nevertheless, um, you know, everybody in this division had a winning record, which is insane. And the Browns were still the second best within that work, uh, framework. Yeah, I think I got to throw chemistry in there. Uh, I don't know if you saw we had uh, Shelby Harris on Garage Beers this last week. Uh, so, again, hopefully he's fine. But, man. Every time we asked him why things are going so well for the Browns, he talked about how much he loves his teammates, how much he loves his coaches, how much he loves the organization. And, man, what a far cry that is from what we heard from this Browns organization over the last few years when you had John Johnson talking about how the offense doesn't know the defense and they don't get together. And you had uh, a certain wide receiver's dad out there posting videos of a certain quarterback. And you had just a lot of things that seemed to be tearing apart the organization from the inside. That seems to be gone. And and we heard Shelby talk a lot about how it's there's just a buy-in to everything they're trying to do, to everything Kevin Stefanski's trying to do. And man, that is that is a very welcome and very nice change. My second word, if I had to give you another word, was just gonna be awesome. It was just gonna be awesome. This season's been awesome. Speaking of awesome, before we get to the next topic, I gotta talk about one of our sponsors, and that is our buddy OG Philly. Uh, or Philly ASC, or just Philly, or however you want to, however you want to talk uh, talk about him. But OG Philly uh, with the Sync Marketing Group, man, you see the hat, you see the shirt, you see the cool gear that OG Philly has sent us. Uh, Scott and Philly, man, just been absolutely awesome in partnering with us and helping us really create a really strong, really amazing OBR brand uh, that you can check us out wearing all throughout the course of our videos. And you can also partner with Philly. So, uh, again, Philly works from everybody from Fortune 500 companies designing their branding and marketing and apparel all the way down to small businesses, small companies like us, or even individuals that just need uh, their logo enhanced or put on a shirt or whatever. Uh, you don't get much better than, than how Philly does it uh, with Sync Marketing Group. So if you've got a business, a nonprofit, or just a personal need for high-quality merchandise, you want to give that business to a fellow Browns fan. You saw the info on the last slide. Reach out to Philly. He's going to take care of you. All right, boys, let's talk about moving forward. And, and Pete, I think you and I were, were very much on the same page all throughout the course of the yes. day here because it was pissing me off to no end the way people were acting like they were afraid of the Houston Texans when the Jacksonville Jaguars absolutely shriveled and died in their game against Tennessee. Uh, I think part of it, boys, is there is an Ohio State draw and love and connection with C.J. Stroud, and he's been great. Uh, but, man, people really acted like they did not want to play the Texans, and I was with you all along, Pete Smith. Bring the Texans on. We whooped the crap out of them the first time. I know they didn't have C.J. Fred, you say you couldn't have said it better. Do I think C.J. was worth an extra 30 points? No. Uh, and I, I, I said it the first time. I'll say it again. I would have picked the Browns to beat the Texans the first time around, even if they had C.J. Stroud, and I would do it again. So, boys, that is the matchup. The Cleveland Browns going to Houston, back to Houston, where they've already won, 
this season. We don't know exactly when it's going to be. I don't know when they're going to announce that because you still got this big Bills-Dolphins game tonight. After that. And they may wait on that. Uh, so it could be could be Saturday. could be Monday. It could be, you know, we don't know when it's going to be, but the Browns and the Texans going at it. Just uh, initial thoughts. The difference is obviously C.J. Stroud and not Case Keenum but they still don't have Tank Dell out there. They're still battling injuries. Their defensive line is very banged up in Houston. Uh, and the Cleveland Browns have played great, except for today. Uh, so, uh, Pete, why don't you lead us off, man? Just your initial thoughts on this matchup. I understand why people wanted to play Jacksonville. They are arguably the softest team in the NFL right now, based on what I've seen. Uh, but Houston Texans yeah. – uh, the CJ Stroud is a phenomenal quarterback. I'm not going to sit here and say he's not good or anything along those lines, but he's a rookie quarterback. who's going to be playing his first playoff game ever uh, against the team that has had the best defense from start to finish all season. He's going to have to deal with an offensive line that is awful, save for Laramie Tunsil because they're so banged up. Um, you know, and the Browns dominated them in the first first matchup. And you already mentioned it. Like, they've lost a number of weapons along the way. Tank Dell being out is a huge deal for them. Uh, Nico Collins is a very talented receiver. Dalton Schultz is a very talented tight end. But the Browns have a really good secondary, and I think they're a really good matchup for this. I think what, may, what would make me nervous is more along the lines of the Texans' defense if they are healthier than the first time. Because, obviously, in the first matchup, Will Anderson was out. They lose Jonathan Greenard basically the first play of the game, and that was the game was basically over at that point. Uh, to this point, we don't know if Greenard's going to play. He was held out of this game. Will Anderson is still working through a high ankle sprain. He's certainly a very good player as a rookie. They've got a lot of talent on that side of the ball. That's where it makes you nervous. You get a little bit worried about their defensive ends relative to the Browns' tackles. But overall, you've got – a Browns team that I, like I previously mentioned, has a ton of playoff experience. They already had playoff experience with this team for everybody who's here the last time around, but they added a bunch of guys who, and, and I think this is where we get to see how much, how much value Joe Flacco really brings to this because obviously PJ Walker or any of these other quarterbacks had not seen anything that like this. He, he brings a Super Bowl ring. Juan Thornhill's got a pair of rings. Okoronkwo's got a ring. They've got a lot of guys who have been here and done this. And, like, I think off the top of my head, linebacker is the only position that will be playing in this game that does not have somebody who's played in the playoffs at this point. The Texans have none, virtually. Obviously, so many of their players are within the last three years. They weren't there the last time. What was 2019, I think, the last time the Texans made the playoffs. Yes, they've brought in some veterans. Yes, they've got some guys who have who've, – who've made it there, Dalton Schultz, some of these defensive linemen they've, they've added, have some playoff experience. But by and large, the Browns are like the, seti, the savvy veteran outfit in this matchup. And even if it's on the road between that and the rest, I think that's a huge thing. And the last thing I would point out and why I'm really hoping this game plays on Saturday, the Colts are a hugely physical football team. They And, and you watched it. Jonathan Taylor ran for like 170 yards as that yeah. big offensive line was just beating on the Texans and their big defensive tackles were beating on the Texans offensive line. I think that has the potential to have some significant carryover into this type of game. Whereas the Browns obviously didn't play many of their guys. They're going to be much fresher. I do think there's a huge advantage to that. And 
So I, I, I like look. The Browns could lose to any of these teams clearly, but they can also beat just about anybody. I, I I'm not afraid of any of these teams that the Browns are going to play. I, I, I enjoy the matchup. I think it's going to be fun, but you've got a hugely veteran defense that I think is just going to cause all kinds of problems for C.J. Stroud. And the track record for quarterbacks making their first ever uh, playoff start is ugly. You could, you could easily talk yourself into a situation where it looks like Kyler Murray's first playoff start, where he's just running away, uh, getting chased down the whole time. Like I understand why C.J. Stroud is, is, dominant and people i think people immediately go back to the georgia game when he was at ohio state and think up oh, it's the postseason he's gonna bring that level and maybe he will but he's gonna need to if he's gonna beat the browns basically by himself and the browns and georgia as great as georgia was that's two different beasts yeah college football and the pros are two different beasts and this browns defense has been the best in the nfl brad ward uh talk about this matchup a little bit and, and and just the differences that you expect to see out of the Houston Texans compared to the first time the Browns played them. Yeah, um, I mean the the main difference, obviously Stroud, uh, I, and I think that you know the the Browns are fully equipped to. I mean they've played better quarterbacks. They 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 will um, have a game plan in place. Their secondary, uh, to Pete's point, is excellent and should be able to handle the likes of a Nico Collins who seems to be coming into his own kind of a a uh, coming out party uh, on Saturday night there as he looked pretty unstoppable at times. But uh, the Browns can handle that, and um, I, I surely expect them to get Stroud sped up and hurried up will be the game plan, right? And you want him uh, to be under duress much, much of this game. You know, and what struck me in the first game, if I recall... Browns threw all over this Texans defense, if I'm not yes. correct, with Flacco. So I, I would expect to, you know, that they have some answers there offensively and that they should be able to find, uh, uh, do something similar here. Um, I, what struck me in the game on Saturday night is that even though Indianapolis was able to run the ball and pound the ball with Jonathan Taylor, uh, it really, uh, you know, shrunk their margin of error by doing so. Uh, they they did not throw the ball or stretch the field at all, and so when it came down to the end of the game, they had to be perfect to get back in that game. Uh, so I would say that, um, you know, I, I think the Browns would be smart to go, of course, try to run the ball against them, and I think that's a good point about what Indianapolis, you know, beating up on teams. They're a very physical team. Uh they will try to run the ball against them. They'll probe and see what works like they always do every week. Uh, but I think that, you know, with the way that Flacco is throwing the football, they can find success against this defense. The secondary does not scare me um, out of throwing the ball against them. So I'll say that. Right. As we look at this matchup, I think another thing that we're going to all talk about a whole heck of a lot over the next week looking at this game is that you've got the two, what what I think are probably the two prohibitive favorites to be the NFL's coach of the year. Kevin Stefanski here in Cleveland with what he was able to do to lead the Browns to 11 and six and into the postseason and uh, and really uh, to do everything that they were able to do. And D'Amico Ryan's first year head coach there in Houston, a Houston Texans legend as he played for them. Uh, and the way he was able to really rally the troops and and get really what you, you can only say was immediate buy-in from the Houston Texans into D'Amico Ryan's and, and how he approaches things. Uh, so just, you know, we saw the chess match once there a little bit, but now that both teams are going to be a little healthier and some of the stars are going to be out on the field, just talk about that chess match there between D'Amico Ryan's and Kevin Stefanski going back at it again. 
Yeah, I mean, you got to give credit to Ryan's. They had one of the worst records. That's why he got the job. They fired the coach because they lose. But what did they do when they lost their quarterback? You know, I don't know how many, you know, they they didn't do that great. And you got Kevin Stefanski, who won with four different quarterbacks, played five different ones. The fifth one was his own choice. But as far as um, I, I think Stefanski has overcome more, but you can't, you can't take credit away from what Ryan's and Texans have done. They, they have a bright future. They have, you know, high draft picks again from the Browns this year. So as far as that goes, but it just seems like anything can happen, but you just feel like the Browns know what they did last time they threw the ball. That's, you know, Amari Cooper went all over the field. You, you know, the number oh, yeah. one goal, and he was hurt. He said on his second catch, he injured his heel enough to keep him out of the Jets game. And that guy doesn't want to come out of any game. And so, you know, the Texans are going to go all in to stop Cooper. So that's where you got David Njoku and, you know, somebody else stepping up. This could be Elijah Moore, you know, game or, you know, Marquise Goodwin, you know, as far as if, if Tellman, he could be the guy running the deep route. So, I don't have a problem with them throwing the ball, but I think if they, you know, like you said earlier, run the ball and take some time off the clock and the Texans aren't a dominant run stopping team. You saw, you look at the jets the other night, I think they were right behind the Browns on defense rankings and the Browns moved the ball up and down the field on the Jets. So I just think if they just play within themselves, do what, do what they're given they can either take it through the air or take it through the ground, but just move the ball. Hopkins um, don't have anything. I've heard that they're hoping next week indoors down in Houston that he'd be able to go, but you now can expand your practice squad, so to say. So they, they don't have to let Patterson go and then go right up to game time. Heck, you could even have him active too, you know, in case, you know, Hopkins had a problem during the game. But, yeah, there's no question, you know, it's a very winnable game for the Browns. It's also a very losable game. I think the point I wanted to make earlier, and I'll say this before I get off, I know looking from this side, it's very, it's very tough that you have the second-best record in the AFC and you got to be the five-seed. You know, because you're sitting here because of the division you're in and so forth. The division winners get the home game and they get the, you know, they don't all get buys, but they get the higher seed. But you got the hand you're dealt. And so I just think that the Browns just got to kind of look at this as free and easy. This is all house money. Nobody expected you to be here at this point, but you're here. Even if they're 100% healthy next year, say Nick Chubb's back to his old, Watson's playing the way, there's no guarantee they'd be 11-6 and six at, at the end of the regular season and be in this position. You have to seize this moment and go for it, you know, and why not? All right, Fred, you indicated, does that, are you taking off? I, I'm fine. Oh, all right. I'm sorry. It's not, it's oh, not I was like going to say before. I forgot something earlier, and so I was just going to – that's why I brought up that. 
All right, I just didn't. I didn't want to hold you hostage. I didn't want to hold you hostage at all. Uh, so, boys, let's. Uh, I, I want to talk about the the playoff picture at large a little bit more. But before we get to that, let's just go around real quick and do a, a way too early Browns Texans score prediction. Brad. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I like thirty one twenty one. Pete. Ooh, let's get nuts. Thirty seven to three. Let's oh, go. I love it. Let's go, Pete. Yeah, Browns, <laughs> right? Browns? Browns? Yes, yes, yes. All right, good. Yeah, yeah. All right, Fred. I'm not that optimistic, but I think the Browns <laughs> will put up points. I think 27 to 17 would be in the realm of, of a concisive win. Uh, 37 to 3 would be inc- – I would love to watch a game with just no stress. Just a playoff game, stress-free, not have to worry about a thing. Uh, that would be great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it – uh, I'm with you guys in the 30s. I'm going to go 35-24. I'm going to say 35-24. Again, I, I do think CJ is going to pose some issues, but uh, he has not seen this Browns defense or anything like it. That offensive line is in trouble again. Uh, and and I do think – I think the Browns are more likely to get home to CJ more than they were against Case Keenan because, remember, the, the, the game plan for the Texans was – Hey, Case, you got like two seconds to get the ball out of your hands. So just get that ball out of your hands as quick as you can. I think CJ is going to be more apt to try to make plays, which means that offensive line is going to have to block longer. And that is bad news for that offensive line against this defensive front. So uh, I think I think Stroud is going to go down a whole bunch in this game. Uh, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Speaking of a lot of fun, before we move into our at-large uh, playoff look, uh, we got to talk about again about one of our newest sponsors and our presenting sponsor here on Game Day Rewind, Core Home Fitness. Uh, listen, with the new year underway, uh, the easiest thing to do is make a resolution, get after it for a few weeks, and then just forget all about it. I do it all the time. I feel like I do it every year. That's where our friends at Core Home Fitness come in. Core Home Fitness 2024 resolution is to help you crush your goals by bringing gym quality equipment into your home. Their unique and durable equipment is designed with you in mind so that you can make the most out of each and every workout. From the reward-winning adjustable dumbbells to the incredible Fight Master, Core Home Fitness will help you reach those lofty goals in 2024 and soar past them. So head over to corehomefitness.com right now to check out all of their amazing equipment and to get started on smashing that resolution today. Shout out Core Home Fitness. All right, boys. So we know who's going to be in on the AFC side. Well, on, on all sides. But on the AFC side specifically, we know who's going to be in. The Ravens are getting the bye week. The two seed is either going to be the Bills or the Dolphins, depending on what happens in this game that's kicking off in just a little bit here. Uh, the three seed is the Kansas City Chiefs. The four seed is the Houston Texans. The Browns are five. And then the loser of the Dolphins, Bills, will either be six or seven, and that can get swapped in or out with uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, depending on who wins and loses the game tonight. So those are the seven teams. It's really interesting, uh, at least for me looking at it. Uh, I don't think there's one team that I don't think could could not get away. You know, I want to say Pittsburgh is going to get their doors blown off them. But let's say Pittsburgh gets lined up with Kansas City. And I love Kansas City, and you don't want to go against uh, Andy Reid in the postseason. That is trouble all day. Do I think Pittsburgh, the way Kansas City is playing right now, do I think Pittsburgh could get a win? Yeah, I hate saying it. But I, I don't think there's any team that couldn't beat any other team in this AFC playoffs. Uh, it is a it is a list of playoff teams with uh, uh, just an unbelievable amount of, of parity, in my opinion, 
So uh, I don't know. Do you guys do you guys feel the same way? Just when you look at that list of playoff teams, Brad Ward, how excited are you to watch this whole thing unfold? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, you know, it's wide open this year, with the exception of the Ravens. But we have a you know a close a closer view of the Ravens, having played them twice, having beat them in uh, Baltimore. So uh, you know, both sides pretty wide open for the most part. I know I think a lot of people in the NFC like the Forty ers but I, I know I, in the AFC especially, uh, your your point about parity is interesting. I don't think the Steelers belong in the playoffs, to be honest. Um, that I don't think they do. I think it pro- you probably could have had a better uh, field without them, but they, you know, they they're cockroaches and they they uh, <laughs> they snuck in. So, um, and uh, so that's that's where you have it. What what are you saying about what happens with the six seven um, seed with with Pittsburgh? Who if who loses does it swap Miami? Yeah, I feel like I can't remember which one is which, but I feel yeah, like you said it right. You, yeah. you said it right initially. If the if the Dolphins win, the Bills then become the seventh seed and the Steelers yes. become the sixth seed. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So that I mean, honestly, not to look ahead or anything, but I mean, the Bills can beat anybody uh, on any given game. I mean, all, all these teams can really. Um, and I'm not as a Browns fan. I'm in this team. It's throwing today out, which, you know, I want to do for sure. <laughs> Throw it in the trash. You get it um, yeah, and uh, there was a game today. Uh, then, you know, I, I feel like they can beat anybody in this field in the AFC for sure. Uh, and in the NFC. I mean, they are the only team in the field that has beat both number one seeds. Uh, and they did it with P.J. Walker uh, against the 49ers. So uh, certainly worth noting. And, I, and I, you know, I, I really like their chances. I do. Um, in a one-week scenario, the, the, we've talked about this before. Their mantra of going one and zero, and as much coach speak it is, and as much cliche it is, they've bought into it. You hear the players saying it, and come playoff time, that is the ideal, like living or dying that way. And they they've been forced to do that because their quarterbacks have changed so much. But taking it one week at a time like that. Um, is uh, just the way you have to do it in the playoffs. It's a one-week, uh, all-or-nothing, right? Uh, game plan uh, set up for, you know, there's no holding back, right? Everything in every week to get the win. So, and I think the, when the Browns do that with a Jim Schwartz, with a Kevin Stefanski, I think that it provides them a little bit of an edge in the coaching rooms. Let anybody I would else say jump that in. I, the, the fact that... The fact that it's an open field benefits the Browns, certainly. Everybody's flawed, uh, and we've seen that. Even the Ravens, for as good as they have been, they have played clunker games. Now, we'll see if that happens in the play- play- playoffs. Obviously, it becomes a situation where the hot team tends to to, to carry it forward. And, and, look, you have the quarterback who got as hot, about as hot as anyone has ever gotten when the Ravens won the Super Bowl in Joe Flacco. Whether he can reclaim that magic is is unclear, but the the – the benefit potentially is that because everybody seemingly has a puncher's chance, if, if Buffalo loses this game and they're the, the seventh seed or the, the Steelers or whatever, that there is a path, which I think most people would prefer, even as much as I know a lot of people want to play the Ravens again, where they may not have to see them until the AFC title game at the earliest, or let's get nuts. The Bills or somebody take them out and the Browns keep winning they host the AFC championship game. So yeah. it 
it's it's great in the sense that uh you know it's an open field every game is going to be much must watch in that regard i in as much as I, I tend to agree with Brad, I, I think the Steelers have sort of limped in the playoffs, and particularly if T.J. Watt is out, um, that will be a tough deal. It worked out in the sense that every game is now must-watch. The NFC, you cannot claim that. There's going to be about three games that are probably used. Um, but every game is going to be great in the AFC, seemingly. Uh, it, it, you may see a game get out of hand just the way it, it, it could end up playing, but just heading into these matchups – they're, they're, they're matchups you want to watch. They're matchups you can easily get into. And then if things get, go crazy, um, you can find a way where the Browns end up hosting a playoff game or that something weird happens. And the Browns somehow either get a vulnerable Ravens team or don't have to play them at all. Either of these scenarios is great. Um, and I think that is also an interesting element to this, that the Browns have an extra element of danger with that if a team like Buffalo – or the Steelers or whatever, get in a situation where the Browns could, you know, either play them or avoid somebody else in the process, which, you know, good for that. I find myself, Fred, in an interesting spot, uh, and I, I want to know your thoughts on this. Uh, I, usually when the Browns are going after a game, a, po- a postseason, which doesn't happen often, just any game in general, they're underdogs. And I think here in Cleveland – we kind of like that underdog mentality. We kind of like that, hey, don't bet on us. Don't don't talk about us. We'll go ahead and very happily fly under the radar and hopefully surprise you. That happened even in 2020. Uh, I will distinctly recall uh, one of your fellow beat reporters, Fred, went on Pittsburgh radio before that game in 2020 and told them that the Browns didn't have a shot in that game. No shot. Uh, and then the Browns went out and, and beat Pittsburgh in that game. It seems a little different this year, Fred, and I and I don't know what to make of it. As a Browns fan, I don't know what to make of it. Like every time I see a clip on Twitter or whatever, national media talking about the Browns, I keep seeing people say there's a handful of teams that I think could win the Super Bowl, and they always list the Cleveland Browns in that group. Uh, I've seen it down to three where people have said, I think three teams could win the Super Bowl, and the Cleveland Browns were one of the three teams. Uh, so the Browns aren't necessarily flying in under the radar here. Uh, they're certainly, they've become a bit of a darling, uh, in the NFL around the media world, man. I don't, well, Fred, uh, you've been around this for a long time. That hasn't happened with the Cleveland Browns for a very, very long time. How, how do we handle this? Well, you know, it's ironic because, you know, being around this team and, and Nash, even at Greenbrier players saying to me, nobody thinks we're any good. When I've seen the moves they made and seen the roster, I knew this was a good team when they were being ranked. I mean, NFL.com, one of their guys had the Browns at 6-11. and 11. You know, and I'm like, these guys do not – mostly because the narrative was we do not like Deshaun Watson, so we're going to turn that into disregarding your roster and just saying we don't like you, you guys stink. And now – They've won, and they've won without Watson. It's almost like the opposite that the National is making up, saying, yay, the Browns, we're for the Browns. I don't think the Browns as a team really really are worried either way about it. They use it. They've used the defense early when nobody was giving recognition as a chip. Now they're being recognized as the top one. Now it's our mantras. We are the best. We'll, we're going to, you know, show the world that we are. So 
I think the mentality of the team is not bothered by this. I, I think it's all because of the Flacco, because like I said, they've went from being a team that you were just hoping you were going to be like the 85 bears and just win it with defense or the Ravens when they won it with defense and Trent Dilfer is just have a offense that doesn't screw things up. And now they have an offense that is putting up over 300 a a game passing or potentially with Joe Flacco. So that makes you really dangerous when you got a top five defense and a offense that can put up 30 points a game. So anything can happen. And like I said, in this field, I do not see anybody that is that daunting. I know the Ravens have done what they've done. The Browns, you know, play them well. They match up well with them. And with JOK spying on Lamar, and they have done a good job with him, you know. So I'm not really seeing anybody. One of the biggest worries for the Browns, I think, would be a Bills team that gets hot right at the right time because everybody had them as a preseason, you know, contender for the Super Bowl, and then they got lost in the weeds, and now they're sneaking in. And like you said, they might get a good matchup because of being a lower seed and get to play the Steelers or somebody like that. And the thing on the Steelers, I kind of agree with Jack. You might as well have them win. So they think Mason Rudolph or Kenny Pickett are are the real deal, and they don't think they need another quarterback. I mean, I don't know how they do what they do, you know, especially, you know, on the road. I know going over there. They put on Renegade. Everybody goes crazy. <laughs> and TJ Watts strip sacks them and picks it up and runs it in for a touchdown. They win 11-7. to seven. I mean, it's unbelievable. But, yeah, I think that it just bodes enough. well for the for the conference. It's enough it Steelers talk. It was interesting that you mentioned 2020. People forget because of COVID, they lost. Like Denzel Ward was out. Gil Batonio was out. There was – People were talking about forfeiting that game, like not playing it at all. They were worried about Baker Mayfield getting killed. Uh, and there was legitimate, like people were reporters, media, whatever, were, were basically like, I just hope we get out of this game alive. And the Broncos Blake Hance. Yes. That was the Blake Hance goes in, introduces himself to Baker Mayfield, you know. Mike, Michael <laughs> I was, used his superpower to be the greatest guard of all time for one game and then go up for, for four weeks. That is his well, move. And- it was great. He beat beat the crap out of Cam Hayward in that game. Um, yeah. The other the other part that gets d- dismissed with the whole Browns turnaround this year, and I agree with a lot of what Fred said about there was a whole lot of Watson. We don't like him. Or it's not. I don't even know if it's discounting so much as not paying attention. But the other part about that was how many children were ushered out of the organization from last year to this year. And I'm not going to name any names, Perry and Winfrey, but they got rid of a lot of these guys who were not serious fo- – were not here to be professional football players. And they didn't have enough people around to, like, give them the proper guidance on how to be proper football players. I Last year, it felt like Anthony Walker was expected to be the team dad on that whole defense of young guys who had no idea what they were doing. It's a great point. They got rid of a lot of those guys that were not, were not here for the right reasons, and they brought in guys who had the right uh, mentality – Zadarius Smith, you know, bringing in Okoronkwo's gotten all kinds of praise for this. Juan Thornhill, uh, you know, I give, I, I, I love Juan Thornhill, 
for all kinds of reasons, but his incessant positivity has absolutely been great for this team. Uh, and they've brought in all these guys who have rubbed off on the younger players that they do believe in and they do want to see them uh, succeed. And it has had a big deal. Like Martin Emerson, you know, we talk about him being potentially a Pro Bowl snub. I, you know, I, he was certainly a very talented player last year. Him, Greg Newsom, some of these other guys. Are they as good if the Browns don't do what they did this offseason with the, with the roster turnover, with bringing in those adults? Difficult to guess, but I can I can imagine that having all these people in the room, holding them accountable, making sure they're on the right page, and I think Jim Schwartz is certainly a part of that, has sort of galvanized them in a way where now that we have it, we have a team where we look at this and we go, last year we had a very professional offense. This year we have a very professional football team. Well said. I'll say something, Brad, if you want to go, you can. I don't want no, to go cut ahead. in. Um, to piggyback on that, I said before, when about this time last year when they hired Jim Schwartz, it would be the most impactful move the team would make, and I think it was. I mean, they signed some great guys, and I give Andrew Berry credit because he had to pull the trigger, but don't tell me Jim Schwartz didn't have something to do with what Pete said. He said, go get me some guys that know what they're doing. Shelby Harris, Obo Okoronkwo, Zadarius Smith, Dalvin Tomlinson, Rodney McLeod, um, the like you said, the Juan Thornhill, veteran guys. And yes, there's been no shenanigans this year. There's been nobody going to the coach saying, I'm not playing unless it's third down. You don't do that with Jim Schwartz. And, you know, the guys had a great year, but they're not putting up with that stuff, and it shows. They really have one focus, and that's to win. All right, Brad Ward, I'm going to give you the last word here as we're buttoning up to an hour on the uh, game day rewind. Again, the Browns lost today, 31-14. to 14. We did we did spend just a hot no, they did on that. Yeah, yeah, but we all won. The Browns yeah. lost today, but we all won because the minute that game ended, the postseason started. Brad, I'll give you the last word here on the game day rewind as we get ready for the Browns and the Texans in the postseason next weekend. Yeah, um, great points about the Browns kind of being the media darlings now uh, as opposed to what they were to start the year. And uh, I think, you know, more than anything, enjoy enjoy that. Enjoy this. Enjoy the respect that they're getting. Uh, they are looked at in a light. Uh, not that it matters how the national media looks at them, but uh, it doesn't come along often that the Browns are held in this high of a regard around the National Football League. Uh, certainly the Flacco story has has propelled them to that uh, that narrative nationally. But more than anything, this team is awesome, right? This team has persevered. They have not blinked in the face of every uh, reason that they could have had to fold. They've get, been given that re- way out, and they never took it. Uh, this team is fun, special, magical, team of destiny, whatever you want to call it, all the words we used earlier. Uh, but they are... Uh, everything that is awesome about uh, Cleveland Browns football. Uh, I love this team. Love what they've done this year. It's going to be an awesome playoff run. Enjoy it. It's a special time uh, when the Browns are in the playoffs. So the city should be on fire. Let's let's enjoy it, baby. That is exactly what is going to happen. The Cleveland Browns heading into the postseason. That's going to wrap it up for Game Day Rewind. A couple quick thank yous before we get out of here. First, thank you to our sponsors again tonight. From uh, Sync Marketing, Scott Fillinger, you know him as Philly. Go check him out. And, of course, the good folks at Core Home Fitness. Check them out at corehomefitness.com. 
uh, for all your workout needs, crush goals and all that kind of stuff. Make sure you get over to corehomefitness.com. Thank you to all of you guys that joined us live here tonight. A couple hundred of you joined in after a meaningless game. Uh, but again, our final game day rewind of the regular season. So thank you for joining. Thanks for participating in the chat. We loved having you. Uh, we appreciate your support like you wouldn't believe. Let me give a shout out to the OBR before we get out of here. The OBR is the best place in Cleveland for Browns coverage. Make sure you get over to the OBR.com. Uh, these three guys here do all kinds of great content on the OBR.com along with the rest of our amazing crew. Get over to the OBR.com, hit subscribe, uh, and make sure you are tuned in again all week. We're going to be with you, Jake. I don't know what he's going to do tomorrow on Chalk Talk, but he's doing Chalk Talk tomorrow. Uh, so I don't know if he's talking about this game or just the Browns in general, but tune in for Jake and Chalk Talk tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to have Cecil Shorts back on for the doghouse uh, as we preview this Texans matchup again uh, on Tuesday. And then we got our good friend Cameron Justice coming on for the post game, or I'm sorry, the postseason uh, edition of the Garage Beers podcast. So we got Cameron coming up Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Fred, you'll be back Wednesday with Barry on OBR Weekly. And Brad, you will be back with all eyes on Cleveland Thursday night as it leads into a day that we don't know yet, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. The Cleveland Browns are playing the Houston Texans. We'll get you ready. We'll have everything you need uh, for this game coming up. So until uh, until next week when we do Game Day Rewind, for Brad Ward, for Pete Smith, for Fred Greetham and the rest of the OBR crew, I am Michael Keefe. Thank you for joining us here tonight. And go Browns, everybody. Playoff time. Thank you.